Hello and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. On this week's show, I'm joined by Vea Coronado. I met Vea at a retreat that she hosted here in the Archdiocese of Vancouver, which fittingly was all about Mary and the feminine genius. And over time, I came to know Vea as a lover of fashion, a business and communications whiz, but above all, a champion for human dignity. Through whatever she does, Vea desires to restore the dignity and identity of the other person, accompanying them on their journeys and helping them encounter Christ through her. In this episode, they and I talk about her business, Crown and Calling, her love of fashion, and why it's so important for her to uphold the dignity of the people around her. Hi, Bea. Hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? I am doing so great. Thank you for joining me so early this morning. <laughs> me. Well, for our listeners, Bea, would you be able to introduce a little bit of yourself and share a little bit about what you do right now? Sure. So I am Vea. <laughs> I think if there was one thing that resonates for me, it's the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none type of thing. I think I've gone through a lot of career changes and different seasons in my life. I I was in ministry for a little bit. I I worked in youth and young adult ministry in, in a parish here in Vancouver. I've worked with Alpha International for a brief period as well. My background in even in education had varied from art history to systems analysis to sustainable planning. (laughs) Um, I I landed a degree in English and computer science of all the (laughs) of all the things. And then my professional background had been in digital marketing and communications. And I've been freelancing ever since I graduated university. And as I was going into grad school, which was a completely different study as well. But this year, I've finally conceptualized the method that I go about working with clients. And actually very Soon, I'm going to be launching my business called The Crown and Calling. And I'm also married, and we're a part of Our Lady of Sorrows Church here in Vancouver. So exciting. Yeah, like so many things. And I think that was one of the things that really struck me about you was just that you were so knowledgeable about a wide variety of things. And now just hearing you talking about the different places that you've worked or the different things that you've studied, it all is starting to come together in my own head. So that's really exciting. And congratulations on this business. That's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it, I think is I've always done it. And it wasn't until the last few months that it really came into fruition in my head that I'm sort of doing something different. And basically, I I mean, I didn't, I wasn't able to talk about it, but um, in all sense of the word, I still do like communications consulting, but what I specifically do is I accompany entrepreneurs, nonprofit professionals, and creatives in discovering 
what their visions are and how to implement that more concretely in their pursuits, whether it's a ministry project Mm -hmm. or writing their business plan, but really like accompanying them in that sense of having a relationship and knowing who they are in what their pursuits are. So, yeah. Beautiful. Okay, there's a lot of things that I want to sink my teeth into. Oh my goodness. So I'm super excited. But I think first to really like bring listeners into who you are, I would love to hear your faith journey. Like how did you come to know Jesus and how has he journeyed with you? How has he accompanied you? I guess use your language. Yeah, absolutely. I think I actually want to share about that through the concept of the title of my business. Yes, please. Yeah, it's tied in really well. So I was born in sort of like a traditional or culturally Catholic family. My parents have been raised in the faith, but I think moving to Canada and living the day-to-day life it wasn't really the foundation of our family. And so I kind of knew it from my periphery and not all too much about it. In high school, I was introduced to a youth group and it kind of snowballed from there, really. I joined the ministry and I started serving and I've had sort of this ebb and flow because on one hand, you know, I was really like trying to seek out my own identity, whatever that meant. On the other hand, I was really being drawn into a relationship with Jesus, you know, Mm. so I've had definitely bursts of conversions. I've had a season where I was really obsessed with canon law. So (laughs) I really sunk my teeth in from sort of educational part of our rich Catholic tradition. A few years ago, a real foundation kind of came to be. So the reason I call what I do crown and calling is because, well, a few things, I guess. Crown, because my my married name is Coronado, which is the crowned one. And so I was kind of playing with that. I was like, oh yeah, I really like the crowned one. Maybe I'll go with that. And crowns had always been like a special symbol, even in my faith journey. Like I was really drawn to Mm. St. Maximilian Kobe, who was offered the two crowns in one of his visions. And yeah, it's, it's just always kind of come up. But I think, I think kind of growing up or as I was getting to know my faith, I almost saw it as a calling and crown in the sense that I was trying to find security in the things that I was doing, given that I was a jack of all trades. I think when I was pursuing something, I would look at it and say, if I could be the very best at this one thing mm-hmm. or in these numerous things, then I can earn my crown, you Mm. know, like I can be via the wise one or via the famous one kind of thing. But all the while, I had sort of a commitment issue to that. As an example, when I was in grad school, I was doing really well. I actually worked for one of the universities here in Vancouver. So I had a good career track and my education was sort of, you know, leveling up. And I was recently married and things like that. And I almost had this existential crisis of Mm. thinking like, is this it for me? Like, is this what I'm going to be known as? Is this what's going to define me, you know? 
And I kind of just freaked out, (laughs) you know? And I think a part of it is like, it was such a disconnect from the growing desire in my heart to like get to know Jesus. And, you know, how does that come into play? And does that mean I have to work in ministry? Or Mm. does it mean I have to strip myself away of all the riches and that kind of stuff? Like, who am I as a a wife? And Mm. I, I think asking those questions in the past few years had really shown me how insecure I was with my identity you know again I had this kind of growing relationship with Jesus and it wasn't until I went into the Ignatian spiritual exercises that I was able to really dive into that and to just be vulnerable with Jesus and say like I want to be this like I have this desire to be crowned to be known for something for your glory And then I just had sort of this revelation, which is in no way my own, (laughs) my own like understanding. It's definitely the grace of God that I realized it's like, oh, you're already crowned. Like I already inherit Mm -hmm. God (laughs) and his love for me, you know? So I think as soon as that was revealed to me and as soon as I realized that my identity rests in Jesus and my relationship with him and that I am a daughter of God. I think that stripped away the pressure of committing to something or to being the very best at one specific field or even worrying so much about the future, you know? And so the reason why Call My Business Pursuits is counted calling is that I want to be able to accompany other people in the same journey into laying the foundations of their values and their identity and then pursuing what their calling is or delivering those foundations into the projects that they're actually doing. It's just an amazing journey for me to be able to kind of conceptualize that, but really, I think more importantly, really be able to know that for myself and to understand that despite the ups and downs, or I can take up woodworking tomorrow, (laughs) which is not impossible. You know what I mean? Like I can do anything. I can end up having children. I can give up this business. I could do all those things or not. It doesn't matter because I already have my identity with Christ. And that's been so important for me to remember every day. Absolutely. And there are a couple of things that stand out to me just as you're mentioning this, but I think the biggest thing that stands out to me, like you're talking about, you know, the crown. I didn't realize that it had that extra meaning to it because I know that like a couple of your social media accounts has the crown. And I know we're going to chat about this, but I had always been curious as to why. And I guess this was the perfect opening to do so. But I guess like what stood out to me was just as you're sharing all of that, what comes to mind is the verse, and I have it in front of me here, it's from Second Timothy chapter 4. It's one of my favorite verses, actually, which was chapter 4, verse 7, and it says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And I remember there was one time where I was praying with someone, and that was the verse that came to my heart, but the Lord prompted me to read further. And from there, it says in verse eight, from now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge will give me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other story there about how like that verse really not only impacted me, but the, the girl I was praying with, but just that idea of the crown of righteousness and the abandonment that you had been able to find 
in your identity as a daughter of Christ. Because it's funny that we were talking about commitment and the fact that it's like, I'm trying to do this project. I don't know if I can maybe put my whole self in. And of course, the Lord asks for our whole selves and our commitment. But at the same time, there's also freedom in knowing that he could call us to journey with him in a particular chapter or a particular thing in our lives. And then he could call us somewhere else. And so long as we allow ourselves to be abandoned in that way, there's a a lot of freedom and peace there in ways that perhaps if we try to control every single thing, we might not otherwise feel. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think that I'm definitely still learning about it, but it's one of those things that really gave me relief even in my own relationships, you know, like Mm -hmm. relational ministry is so important to me, not just as a tool to evangelize or anything like that. I think my strongest points in doing the work of God is through personal relationships. I'm, I'm not a theologian. I, I can speak in front of people, but again, not any time before 10 a.m. <laughs> um, you know, like that kind of stuff. But I think in the truest sense, my encounter with Jesus had been through my relationships and the same goes with the relationships that I am growing. And so before discovering this crown of righteousness, I had so much insecurity with my friendships. I always had the sense of, oh, I have to be really close to everyone Mm. 100%. You know what I mean? Like I had so much pressure that I would need to be there for them and I, I would need to be this perfect person in order for them to see the love of God. And that's not right at all. (laughs) And yeah, like I, I, again, as soon as I realized that my identity lied in Christ, it was so much easier for me to like take that pressure off and say, if I had one encounter with one person and it's a matter of five minutes and I never see that person again, because I know that, that Christ lives in me, I need to make that conscious decision that if that is the only moment that I'm having that relationship with them, that he'll be able to work through me. It's really been able to permeate through not just in my career and the different hobbies that I do, but also through the relationships that I have, both short-term and long-term. Absolutely. And to go back to your business, Crown and Calling, what I really appreciate is the fact that, you know, you speak of freelance and business in almost a ministry aspect. We talk about journeying and relationship accompaniments, like in a very Catholic way. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that if nothing else, it's such a beautiful testimony to our faith in the way that our Lord sent the disciples out two by two. We journey with one another and we hear about the friendship and the relationship between St. Paul and St. Barnabas and the ways in which they journey together. St. Paul and Timothy, they journey together. When it comes to bringing that in maybe like maybe you are working with some like Catholic folks or Christian folks, but maybe you aren't always working in the Catholic Mm -hmm. realm. So what is that like to bring your faith and that aspect of accompaniment into that type of work? Yes, definitely. I think I've only had one or two Christian clients and definitely it was easy because I was able to kind of translate the language into sort of the typical Christian jargons but predominantly my clients aren't necessarily at least they don't disclose with me what their spirituality or what their faith journey is Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the times I almost have to disclose to my clients like listen this process might be inefficient (laughs) you know 
I think the easiest way to explain what I do as a profession is that I am a business consultant or Mm -hmm. a life coach even. But the thing is, it's not those things because we really try to get into the root of what their foundational values are. And I can't remember, I might have been Simon Sinek or, you know, one of those productivity business guys that wrote the book, Start With The Why. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that to the next level of it, you know, because a lot of the people that I work with, they have full autonomy with their business and even their career path. And so we look at it, not just from the perspective of, I need to write a business plan. It's more, why do you need to write the business plan? Why do you want the financial freedom? What does your home life look like? Do you give time for yourself and things like that? I think those things are universally desired, regardless of what your faith journey is. And kind of going back to what I said about the relationships and how that's kind of shaped, I see that for my clients as well, that I know that even if I have a business relationship with them, I knew that there is this urgency for me to permeate God's love (laughs) through everything that I do. And I think that's sort of how my business naturally evolved. I realized that, you know, I don't want to just be designing websites for people or to write their communications plan or anything like that. I really want to be able to restore that person's identity and dignity through the things that they're doing. You know, if if this is really important to them, then I want it to be important to me enough that I want to get to know them for however long we're journeying together, you know? And it's really interesting because I think as soon as I saw my business and my ministry that way, that I want to see the dignity of the person, Mm -hmm. then it also spilled over to all my other friendships. If anything, it elevated how I saw my husband and how I saw my friends it didn't become just hanging out or just telling my husband about my day. It's really about seeing that person, who they really are, and how God is working through them, whether they know it or not. And I know we've talked about this before, Vea, just the desire that people have to find meaning and fulfillment in their work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Catholic or not, I think like you're describing, it's this universal thing that everybody is really desiring. And I think that so many times we chase after different career aspects or business relationships or even creative pursuits and projects just because we think, and you mentioned this earlier, it will make me Rachel the famous, or it's like, I'm going to be like this super awesome podcaster. And listeners to the show will know too that like I've tried and failed so many previous projects. And it came to this point where I was like, oh, well, maybe it's just not for me. But then the moment that your focus shifts and you push aside the spotlight off of yourself and you really center it back on the one person who has given me identity, everything changes. It really is an opportunity for people to see more worth beyond maybe what they have prescribed for themselves. And I think that it's beautiful that you're able to shine that light onto people, especially like I didn't even realize that it was mostly secular clients. That's amazing that you're able to bring that type of spirituality into these people's lives. But Vea, I guess one of the other things that we've chatted about, so not only do you have this business, Crown and Calling, you also have an Instagram account called The Crown Style. And you talk about human dignity and sustainable fashion. So I think 
one of the things that people will notice about you is that you have impeccable fashion sense. We've talked about your dresses before. They're always so beautiful. And I guess I was curious to know where that interest in fashion came about and how that ties into this human dignity piece that you speak of. I think I've always liked fashion. I've always dressed to express, you know. As soon as I was able to come into terms with my identity and what my identity is like in Christ, that really mm. spilled into to my fashion because, again, it, it's an important part of my life. And I've always had this philosophy that if I'm wearing clothes, they have to mean something at the very least to me. And I think for the longest time, because I work in digital communications and I kind of see the back end of, you know, influencer life and, you know, like coming up with content and things like that, even though I was always savvy at it, I almost not necessarily looked down on it. I was a little bit cynical about it, you know, like I always had this perception that people will only show you a certain part of, I don't know, their self or something like that. And again, I think all those perceptions, whether they're true or not, they all rooted back to the insecurity that I had for myself. People always told me, oh, you should post what you're wearing on Instagram. And I I would always kind of like scoff at it. Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it was kind of my insecurity of the idea that, okay, like my friends think I'm fashionable, but like as soon as I have it on social media, that might not be the case. Or what if I don't have as many followers? Or And again, it, it was the same kind of process that I had with my career path. I was so insecure with the logistics of making it or being perceived as a certain thing that I never really thought about why fashion meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. So when my sister-in-law decided to run a campaign for December, which is raising funds and awareness for human trafficking, I knew that there was something there that I was really drawn to. And the more I looked into it, the more I really resonated, not just with that particular cause, but with the idea that I'm able to make a difference with what I wear. That it is beyond, again, my own insecurities, and it is beyond what I'm expressing for myself that there is an avenue for me to be able to find and restore that human dignity in a massive way. You know, if Mm -hmm. if we're talking about my ministry and my career as being a very personal one-on-one relational ministry, I kind of see the crown style, my Instagram account as my way of translating that in a massive social media sense. I think when I made that pledge for December, again, I wanted to be kind of all in. I said, the wearing the dress part every day for the month of December and even the raising money part, those things are going to be simple for me. One, because I wear dresses every day. And two, (laughs) again, I, I kind of had the sense that however much I've put in, that still makes a difference. So it wasn't the money part or the the challenge that was challenging for me, (laughs) the challenge that I've put to myself was really to look into it and to see, okay, is this something that I want to do in the long term? And sure enough, the more I really read into human trafficking and the more I looked into the systemic issues that is correlated, not just with fashion, but with the very real 
problems that's happening here in Vancouver that I've mm. already been caring and advocating about, the more I knew that that's sort of the pursuit that I wanted to get into. I, I said to myself that if I'm going to be spending time with this, I know it's fun and I know it's something that, that I enjoy, but it's also something that I know can make a difference in however big or small way that can. So that's how it came to be. I think back then I had sort of a pride sense of, mm -hmm. of buying like designer clothes or clothes that are the same as everyone else. And again, it kind of came not just from my taste, but I don't know, I, I really had this pride of like, oh, I, I'm finding something unique because right. I see myself as unique or, or whatever. But I realized too that there were implications as to how you choose your clothes or where you buy it and where it's sourced from and how you dispose of it. Mm -hmm. And so the more I moved towards taking care of the environment, and then the more I discovered what human trafficking actually entailed and how human trafficking isn't necessarily sex slavery, it's also forced labor and how mm. the fashion industry is such a big component to that, then I knew that it was more than just finding a good thrift shirt. It was really about, I really needed to make my fashion choices intentional so that I don't become a part of that negative system, you know? So mm -hmm. we talk about like fast fashion and looking for the cheapest thing. I can't speak for everybody, but I do speak for myself where it's kind of like, we don't want to really think about the impact of the clothes that we wear and what could that impact have on some people in some parts of the world. In many ways, like I feel like the ways in which you're using the platform and sharing this with people, in another way, that it's like you are accompanying people into pulling back the curtain and being like, this is a very real issue and not shaming people into it. And you're not making people feel bad, but you're really bringing to light something that I think maybe we either choose to ignore or maybe we genuinely didn't know about. Like I know that for me, when I was following along with your recent Dress Ember campaign, I learned so much about the impacts of my shopping habits, for example, or what harm it could potentially do. And I guess like what has been some of the maybe like feedback or what you've heard from different people who have followed you through these campaigns? Yeah, you know, I've been so floored with how generous people are on social media. I right. think, again, because I've seen sort of the different sides of the Instagram and Facebook world, how it could potentially be toxic at times. I never really saw this as anything that could grow into anything, really. And apart from anecdotal feedback, I think the difference of raising money and the fact that I think from my December campaign and the amount of people that give and it's people that I either know in passing or I don't know at all. Like they're people from the internet <laughs> and how they were able to just support whether it's $5 or I think my largest donor was $165 from someone that I do know personally, but I haven't seen in 10 years. Wow. And it was just because they saw my posts and, and my plea online. I think that had been so affirming for me to know that this is an issue that, yeah, maybe it's not highlighted too frequently or maybe the information is just not accessible to them. But what's been really fascinating with it 
knowing that I post these pictures is that I was also able to touch base with a lot of people that I've either lost touch with or mm-hmm. people who I don't know very well that, you know, maybe I, I have met in an event or whatever. And then we added each other on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, because I'm running this campaign, and, yeah. and because I always say, you know, it's not just about the monetary support, it's really also about the awareness. And I always really encourage people to talk to me, whether it's about this or anything else, I been able to get in touch with a lot of people and reacquaint myself with them again. That's just been such an amazing journey for me to almost be a little bit apart from the fashion. It's really easy to get caught up with, oh, what's a good backdrop? What am I going (laughs) to wear today? And I already wore this kind of thing. Like, I think as soon as, again, as soon as that pressure kind of came off, and as soon as I had a very clear directive of why I want this to happen, then, then all the things that I used to worry about, as soon as all those things kind of strip away, the more I just got excited and not overthink things. Yeah. And again, it's that freedom piece. And just recognizing too, that even something as simple as clothes can really bring about awareness and can really spread a message and can even to some extent evangelize a truth that, you know, especially like what you're talking about, human dignity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I think maybe at first glance, people can be like, what could those two have in common, like human dignity and clothes or shopping. And I think that you bring to light just something that is very important because there are so many parallels and connections that we can draw between the two, especially as women and especially in the ways in which we carry ourselves, we carry our bodies through the world and how we present ourselves and not in a vain sense. Like you were talking about, I've worn this yesterday or I wore this already or Instagram has already seen this. I think that's something that I've actually said out loud before and I have to Mm -hmm. shake my head at that. But then, like you said, to recognize that when we put all of that aside and we kind of focus back in on our true center and what is it that is really important, then Instagram can see the outfit like 50 times. But if it's all for Christ, then it really is worth it. And I think that that's so special and beautiful. Yeah. And you know, again, I've been in both sides of the spectrum. I've had seasons in my life where I've kind of went away from being fashionable or colorful Mm -hmm. or and and kind of like saw it as like, oh, my clothes are functional because I, I need to clothe myself kind of thing. And I think that's not it at all, right? Like it kind of goes back to that idea that God is continuing to create the world. You know, he didn't stop at day six kind of thing and rested in day seven and then day whatever. Now he's still resting. It's like he's constantly creating our world. But the added portion of it is when he created us, he invited us to be like a co-creator of the world. And so the expression that I see, whether it's in art or in my case, in fashion, that expression is me co-creating with God. So the purpose isn't just that it's functional. The purpose is definitely not to be vain, but the purpose is to express something in that. Again, it goes back to, I'm expressing that my identity lies in Christ and that my fashion has this greater purpose of, of helping others. I think the thing about it is like, it's really easy to either tell yourself, I have to like get rid of all my fast fashion clothes and do all this change or I don't care at all. I'm just going to be apathetic because what difference can it make? 
it's really easy to fall between those two severe scenarios when it comes to advocacy. But I really see it as something where you kind of have to think of one person. If this money that I'm raising can go to one person and that makes a difference for them their entire life for one month for one day, then that's great. If I'm only able to reach one person, if I was only able to talk to you about fashion and sustainability and human trafficking, then all of this is worth it. I think the effort and the return is always like one of those things that pressures people to either need to do everything or do nothing. (laughs) But again, it kind of goes back to like, Just look at the purpose and see where is your foundation? Why are you doing this? And does it actually matter what the results are? Because at the end of the day, if you have a clear sense that this is what it's for, and in my case for the crown style, it's restoring human dignity, whatever that looks like, then that's what I'm going to pursue. And that is so inspired by Christ as well, right? As you're talking about the one, like the one person that if it's only one that you're able to inspire or one person that you're able to have a conversation with. And I know that sometimes people are like, oh, that's so cliche, but I cannot stress this enough. If you were the only person on this earth, you know, the fact that Jesus would still die for us, he would still die for you if you were the only person. The good shepherd, he leaves the 99 behind to seek out the one. And I guess I tie it back to earlier, you're talking about convenience and efficiency via in business. And sometimes it is ineffective to go one person at a time. And yet the depth of relationship that can come from that far surpasses any amount of money, any influence that we might have. But just to have that one-on-one relationship with someone is so special. And it really is so rooted in Christ. I mean, nothing in our faith really makes sense if we're thinking about it. It's so paradoxical to our secular society. And all the same, it is so beautiful. Yes, absolutely. And I think Two, what's really interesting is, again, the details, you know, logistics of, okay, how do I make this easier? Or how do I raise? Because the more money you raise, the more difference it will make and all that kind of details. Yes, it matters. Yes, it's important. But at the same time, if that is the focus Mm -hmm. of what you're doing, then it kind of loses the depth of it. It kind of loses the real value of what you're doing it for, whether that's in business or in fashion, in social media, or even in ministry, right? I think being in ministry myself and being a part of running parish, I kind of see that sometimes I have this desire to like, if only we make this more efficient, or if only we had more budget for us to (laughs) do events and and things like that. Like once it becomes all about that, why are we even running this event? Oh yeah, Yeah. it's because we need to reach people because Jesus needs to reach this one person. Then it becomes a lot easier to come into terms with like, okay, this is what it is. And how we're going to make this happen is within the restraints that we have, but ultimately we're doing it for Christ. We're doing it because of that encounter, right? Whatever language I'm using, whether it's in fashion, whether I'm in the secular world or in business, in fundraising for, for whatever cause, whatever language I'm speaking, whether I'm explicit with saying that Jesus is Lord, 
or mm-hmm. not, I need to have my identity permeate that regardless. Right. Regardless of how explicit I'm saying it, I want to be able to be intentional and to express that that's what I'm doing it for. Mm-hmm. Amen. And there's just so much to that. And I'm just so grateful that there are people like yourselves who are bringing their whole selves into their business, into their creative pursuits, and really shedding light on the importance of one person at a time and being intentional in relationships. And I think just as we think about the feminine genius, one of the beautiful things that I've been able to see, not just in this conversation, but I guess also in the time that I've known you, Vea, is John Paul II talks about women as being able to see the dignity in all other people in a way that, you know, men, of course, can do, but women have a very innate gift in doing that. And I firmly, firmly believe that this is something that you have really been able to articulate in all parts of your life. That's an outsider perspective, but I'd love to hear from you in terms of how you've seen your personal feminine genius grow. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is through my relationships with the women and even the men in my life that has really shaped who I am and how I've encountered Jesus Christ. My personal relationship with Jesus, whether it had come through the conversations that I've been having or through my career path and things like that, I think the more it kind of grew and the more I was secure in who I am in him and who I am in my friendship in him, And how I'm able to express that in my relationship and in every little aspect that I do in my life, the more I've really seen God work through me, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just been so wonderful to be able to see the feminine genius in sort of this, it's almost like a spider web, you know, (laughs) like (laughs) it's this interconnectivity in all aspects of my life, my relationships, and then sort of right in the center, right in the heart of it is really that friendship that I've been growing with Christ, you know, Mm. this image that he didn't just become friends with me because he needed like a subject of the world. Like, you know, like he just needed like, Vea, you have to do this and you have to do that. Like as if I was enslaved to following rules and things like that. The more I discover that real friendship, that real collaboration that we have, and the more I really realize that when I have creative pursuits, like for example, the Instagram account, that I could really see Jesus kind of like cheering me on, Mm. the more I really discover that identity that's like, yeah, it's not just that it's me, that it is God in me that is working through that. So yeah. That's a beautiful note to end on as well. Just this idea that even in something as secularized as Instagram, like there can be good that can come from it, of course, within reason and with the right attitude and disposition, but also just the fact that no matter what it is that we do, first and foremost, he calls us to co-create with him. And secondly, he is always there cheering us on. Like, I think that that's such a beautiful note. And, and Vea, like, again, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and for sharing some of your time and your insights and wisdom. And I guess just to close, would you be able to lead us in a closing prayer? Yes, definitely. Cool. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us together in this conversation. Thank you for being with us and allowing us to express your love to each other. 
we ask that you continue to send out your Holy Spirit to Rachel in her ministry in this podcast, to all her listeners. We ask that you continue to guide us to really know who you are and how you've expressed your love continuously in our lives. Lord, we really desire, we really ask that this will be revealed to us, that Mm -hmm. we may be able to know this, know who we really are, so that we may be able to express your love to the rest of the world. We ask this with the intercession of your mother Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women, and thus is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. Mm-hmm. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for this amazing ministry of yours. Thank you again to Vea Coronado for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can learn more about Crown and Calling by checking out her website, crownandcalling.com. And you can follow Vea on Instagram for more awesome photos of her outfits. She's over at The Crowned Style. There you'll also be able to find links to her current fundraising and advocacy campaigns. I've left links to those in the episode description below. You can stay up to date with The Feminine Genius by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod, and you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless always.